You're listening to the Word of Life AG podcast. We're so glad you're getting caught up on the message. This week, Pastor Tom Wood brought us a special Memorial Day message with a review of the year at Word of Life. Let's check it out. Well, good morning, Word of Life. It is great to be able to come and spend the morning with you. So glad you're able to come be a part of things. Uh, I just want to give everyone a fair warning. This is going to be an unusual message. Uh, So if on the drive home, you can turn to your spouse and say, well, that was weird. Um, Yes, by design. So this is uh, in the calendar year. Uh, This is, of course, Memorial Day uh, weekend. And along with it being Memorial Day weekend, it also marks the anniversary, and this is the first anniversary, of uh, Pastor Randy and Pastor Marianne Chiz heading into retirement. And those of you that were a part of that this time last year, you remember it was a wonderful service. And it not only was uh, their last Sunday morning as lead pastors, it was also the Sunday morning where Megan and I were installed as lead pastors here at the church. And so this marks a year in the calendar of us being in that lead pastor spot. So I want to take some time today and reflect on what the past 12 months has looked like, some of the good things that have come out of it, how God's moved and great things that have happened, and then hopefully have an eye towards what's ahead coming up in the future. But on that day, uh, a moment happened that was pretty cool, and I have a, I have a prop today that should have built, you know, built a swell of anticipation and wonder. I have a prop, and this doesn't belong to me, but it sits in my office, and this is, of course, a shepherd's staff, and it was presented not to Tom and Megan Wood and not even to Randy and Mary Ann Chiz. It was presented to Word of Life Church, and... Dr. Dwayne Durst, he's the uh, superintendent of the New York Assemblies of God churches, which means he oversees around 300 churches around the state. He made this for us, and he presented it to Pastor Randy and Mary Ann as a symbolic, here you go, shepherds of the church. And the shepherd staff, the crook, it was used to guide the sheep. It was used to uh, help lead. It was used to help to uh, fight off enemies, despite popular belief. It was never used to beat the sheep, by the way. It was used to lead and to guide and to help. It was used to protect from enemies. It was important for a shepherd. And symbolically, Dr. Duane made this, presented it to Pastor Randy Marianne, and said, now it's your turn to pass this over. And in that moment, Megan and I received it. This is not mine. It belongs to the church. And we've been asked to carry this. Funnily enough, my <laughs> if one person claps, we all have to. Funnily enough, my youngest son is obsessed with this. Whenever he comes in my office, he wants to mess around with it. And he has assured Megan and I that he's going to be lead pastor when Megan and I are ready to retire. If you ever end up with that boy as your pastor, you voted him in. So what happens is on you. (laughs) But I tell him, son, you can't be a pastor unless you keep your room clean, you leave your sister alone, and you help me with mowing the lawn. So we'll see how it goes. But like I say, this does not belong to me, but it is something that has been trusted to us. And I can speak on behalf of Megan as well that we do not take this lightly. But this part in the calendar on Memorial Day does mark the year that Pastor Randy, Mary Ann Chiz, that were here for uh, 29 years as lead pastors. They also served here as youth pastors before that. 29 years of pouring their life into this church. 
And because we're an Assemblies of God church, the way that we're structured and the way that we're set up is that for a new pastor or pastors to step into the role, it comes down to a congregational vote and the members get together and they vote yes or no on a proposed pastor that's coming in. And so the week after the vote happened and it was confirmed that this is how the progression was going to go, that Megan and I would step in, I stood up and I shared a message with you. And I shared from a verse in John 4:38, and leading up to that weekend vote, this verse had been ringing around in my heart, and I knew I needed to share it, and I want to refresh everyone on this verse today. John 4:38, I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. You will get to gather the harvest from seeds you did not plant. You will reap the benefit of someone else's hard work. You will get to be there and be a part of a harvest and seeing good things happen and seeing God move, even though you weren't there when the seed was sown, even though it's not your hard work that's made this possible. And I felt that was true then, and I believe it's true now, that we are part of a great church, and it's because of years of faithfulness that precedes Megan and I ever even getting here, that we're able to be a part of this. And in the Bible, the, the whole notion of seed time and harvest is very commonly talked about. And it's no surprise because of the agrarian culture that the Bible represents and uh, what was happening in biblical times, the agrarian culture. It's no surprise that we talk about seed time and harvest. Typically, harvest is used as an analogy and as a picture and as a metaphor for people. And harvest is people coming home. It's people coming to God. It's people coming to know God in a life-changing way. I read this week that Jesus is repeating some Old Testament thoughts. Then in farming, sometimes those who do the preparatory work are not the same as those who harvest. This thought is echoed by Moses in Deuteronomy. It's also in Ecclesiastes, and Paul expands on it even further to the church in Corinth. That you will reap where you have not sown. You will get to be a harvest, even though it's not due to your hard work. It's not due to your faithfulness, but you get to be a part of the harvest. In this past year, and it's been over a year now since I shared that original message with the church, this thought has come back to me repeatedly. There are so many great things about our church that Megan and I inherited. The church staff is an obvious one. Pastor Randy Marianne assembled a wonderful team that makes up the church staff. The faithful members of the church and the congregation. The active ministry that's ongoing and happening. The fact that we have supportive elders and trustees, that we have great buildings and strong finances, that we have a great reputation in the community. Megan and I did not plant those seeds, and yet, along with everyone else, we get to be a part of seeing that harvest. A few weeks ago, when we had water baptisms, we texted PR and Marianne and let them, it was sort of reminded them of the verse that we're reaping where we have not sown. We let them know that we were seeing a large number of people getting water baptized and they joined us in celebration. And hopefully into retirement, they still feel a sense of accomplishment and fulfillment that the seeds they have sown for decades, along with everyone else here at the church, those seeds are still bearing fruit. And I wrote this down and this was helpful perspective for me, is that last season's harvest becomes this season's seed. So if you're farming, especially specifically wheat, once you harvest the wheat, they divvy up this, you know, the seeds into different categories. There's the worst kind of seed, the lesser quality, that goes to feed the animals. There's the pretty good stuff, that's what you use for your family. There's the next best stuff, and that's what you use to sell at market. And then the best of the best, that's the seed that gets re-sown next year. That's what you put back 
but it all comes from one harvest. Last season's harvest, that sets us up to become this season's seed. We all know that you reap what you sow. What's not said often enough is that you also sow what you reap. The seed comes from last year's harvest. This church, our church, has sowed good seed. This church has been faithful and effective with the mission God has put in front of us. Consequently, we've had good harvests. Because we've had good harvest, it set us up for a good future because we have good seed to replant. Consequently, we keep replanting when it's time, then we reap, then we sow, then we plant again, and the cycle just keeps coming. And of course, this is all about people. Our mission is people because that is what God cares about. Now, being part of a church on a mission It means that it's not just something that we attend on a weekend. Belonging to a church means building something, not participating in a weekly event. Being a part of the community of faith means we're growing in our faith together. It doesn't mean we check the box. An uncomfortable reality check for all of us is simply put, we don't need God to sing songs and deliver a sermon, but we need God to transform hearts and lives. Luke and the worship team, These are talented individuals. They could definitely come up here, play some songs, and it would sound awesome. Between myself, Megan, Lisa, and Annie, we could put together an inspirational speech that's uplifting and maybe even throw in some Bible verses, but we need the work of the Holy Spirit to bring true life change. We cannot do that. That is God and God alone. We don't need God to hold a weekly event that we attend so we can check our box. But without God, we cannot fulfill the mission. We cannot build his kingdom or be a part of a life-changing community of faith. I was part of a much longer conversation that Jesus had with Peter. Jesus makes this promise. In Matthew 16, I will build my church. I will build my church. This is a promise from Jesus that churches all over the world need to have a deep confidence in that he is building his church. Jesus promised to build the church for a mission, to advance his kingdom and to transform people's lives. Jesus promised to build his church. He is committed to building. Consequently, belonging to a church means being a part of what Jesus is building. Belonging to a church means being a part of what Jesus is building. Matthew 16, let me read a few more verses. I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now these are lots of these verses, but simply put, the power of hell cannot defeat God's plans and purposes for his church. And when the church and heaven are in harmony, amazing things happen. I'm going to repeat that. The power of hell cannot defeat God's plans and purposes for his church. And when the church and heaven are in harmony, amazing things happen. Life change and transformation happens. Almost every week here at church as part of our weekend service, We'll show a video of someone sharing their story. Today's no different. We had people sharing their story about how God has moved in their lives, and it's a number of different things and a number of different ministries that we'll sort of showcase and let people know this is how God is moving in the hearts of people. 
The reason is we want people to see, we want to encourage each other and encourage ourselves that God is using our church to transform lives. We want everyone to see just a few, just a handful, just a selection, just a sample of the stories of people's lives being impacted by God. And if you're a part of the church, if this is your community of faith, if this is your church that you're a part of, please take every single story you hear personally because each and every one of us is playing a small part. God is using each and every one of us to be a part of that story. That's why we're a community and a body of faith together. We're not just a bunch of individuals that happen to be in the same spot. God is using each and every one of us to play a part in every single story, in every single life change and transformation. God is using each and every one of us to play a small part. And he uses it to do incredible things. And I hope that as a church, that we will always have people that are at different starting points and situations in their lives. I hope we always have people that are at different points and different entry points in their life of faith. I hope that in our church, on a Sunday morning, we'll have a wealthy entrepreneur sat next to someone struggling to pay rent. I hope in our church that we have a single mom sat next to a grandparent with 12 grandkids. In our church services, I hope we have someone who hates God and resents being in church sat next to someone who's been a believer for decades, a college student, unsure how they can have any kind of faith when most of their friends have jumped into deconstructionalism, sat next to a new believer who knows nothing about the Bible, nothing about faith, but has encountered the love of God and their life has changed. Someone who's an expert in the Bible sat next to someone who doesn't even know where to start. Someone who's starting to break free from an abusive situation. Sat next to someone who's lived a quiet life and has wisdom to share. A former drug addict sat next to someone who can't wait for church to be over. Someone who is completely unsure what they think about God. Sat next to someone after years of abandoning their faith is ready to come home. A teenager who feels all alone sat next to someone who's a completely different person from who they were this time last year. Someone who's been the victim of racial abuse sat next to someone who's working through the shame of how they used to treat people. A husband that reluctantly goes to church sat next to someone desperately searching for meaning somewhere. No matter what your starting point is, you can both start and continue your journey of faith at Word of Life. No matter what your starting point is, no matter where you are today, no matter what your reality is today, you can both start and continue your journey of faith at Word of Life. And as a church, our mission statement has not changed. Megan and I inherited this. We did not coin this phrase. We did not write this down. We were not a part of this. This is what it was when we got here and we embrace it fully. The Word of Life AG exists to lead individuals to become faithful and effective followers of Jesus Christ. We exist to lead individuals to become faithful and effective followers of Jesus Christ. We believe that it's important that we lead, that we're a positive influence, not being a bystander, but leading and making a difference. It uses the word individuals. I love it because it's all about the one. One of the ministries we support is headed up by a wonderful member of our church called 99.1 that goes into strip clubs all around Syracuse to try and build relationships and expose them to God's love. That ministry is all about the one. It's not about gathering a crowd. It's about connecting meaningfully to the one. We talk about being faithful, being strong and determined in our confidence and trust in Jesus. 
effective, that we're not content with getting fed. We also want to work out our faith. A healthy diet and a healthy lifestyle is both eating right and working out. We talk about being followers, not polite appreciators, not spectators, not fair weather fans, but followers. Most importantly, of Jesus Christ, because it's all about Him. This is His church. We are His people. He is Lord. He is King. And it's impossible to exaggerate just how amazing Jesus is. Amen. But possibly my favorite word in this vision statement is the word become, because it's all about the journey. It's about the becoming. It's about the transformation, it's about the change, it's about the shift, it's about the stretch, it's the becoming. It's all about the journey. It's those steps towards being faithful and effective, it's learning how to follow Jesus. It's the becoming. Now a question I asked myself this week getting ready for today is how does the mission statement stop being theoretical? How does it stop being just another slogan? How does it stop being just another banner on the wall? How does it stop being something forgettable? And the answer that I came to is that we have to care. We have to care. And when I say care, I mean we're emotionally moved by this mission statement. The success or failure of this mission emotionally moves us. When we see the mission of the church move forward, we rejoice. It brings joy, it brings satisfaction, it brings fulfillment. When we see the mission of the church dwindling, it brings sorrow and a desire to turn it around. It has to emotionally move us. If the mission of the church does not emotionally stir us, I don't know how we can possibly be faithful and effective in, a, in reaching this mission. And I was writing this down preparing. There were three things I thought that we have to care about to fulfill the mission. Three things we have to care about to fulfill the mission. Thing we have to care about, number one, reaching people far from Jesus. Reaching people far from Jesus. Our commitment to help people hear the message of Jesus has never been stronger. Every week, we have people in person and online that make decisions to follow Jesus. The different ministries that we're a part of help people take that first step in receiving Jesus, both in large gatherings like this, or whether it's a small life group, or whether it's individuals one-on-one. -on -one. I'm able to see on Sunday, because I'm oftentimes the person up here, I get to see how many people are responding to the invitation to receive Jesus. But I also get text messages and emails letting me know about someone in this small group that has made a decision. Or someone is talking to a coworker that has made the decision to follow Jesus. Or Annie Bullard will let me know about someone that she's ministering to that's made a decision. Pastor Mike Chiz will let me know about someone in a hospital room that has made a decision to follow Jesus. I'll get other messages from people saying that they've been able to pray a prayer with a loved one for the first time. And to fulfill our mission, we have to care about reaching people far from Jesus. The second thing, things you have to care about, number two, second thing, being outward focused. Now this is overlap with reaching people far from Jesus, but we have to be obsessed, we have to be focused, and we have to care about being outward focused. Pastor Randy, before he rode out of here on a motorcycle in retirement, there were two things he told me I have to do, two things. The first thing is I have to keep giving his brother Mike a hard time. It's a heavy cross to bear, but I'm willing to do it. The second thing is we have to keep supporting missions. So I asked Miss Trudy, Miss Trudy, uh, she helps us our finances this week, and I asked her to run a report on how much we'd been giving, and I was amazed at the figure that came back. 
I started asking people, say, hey, how much do you think we've given to missions in the last 12 months? And people gave numbers, and most people did wildly underestimate what we got. I'm delighted to let you know, Word of Life Church, that in the last 12 months, from last Memorial Day to today, we have given $129,418 to missions around the world. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Now, these different missions that we support, there's close to 50 different missionaries that we support. Some of them are one-time gifts. Some of them are monthly. Some of them have got other regularities. But these 50 missionaries that we support in different organizations, they're all over the world, including many that are local to us here today. These include feeding programs, addiction recovery through Teen Challenge, crisis pregnancy centers, counseling centers, different evangelism organizations, Bible colleges, organizations that provide education, disaster relief, various different things affecting both babies to seniors, many different things we're a part of. But we can't fulfill our mission if we're inward focused. We have to stay outward focused. Once we become insular, once we become inward focused, it's a matter of time until it's game over for us. We cannot fulfill our mission if our eyes are in. What matters to me? What's my preference? What do I care about? What matters to me? What is going to move us forward and what is going to allow God to keep blessing the harvest that we're making is that we have an outward perspective and we keep being faithful in having an outward perspective, including missions. Third thing, then we have to care about number three, the strength and health of the church. The strength and health of the church. There's lots of things that a church can look at to see if they're doing well. We can look at the size of the church, the number of people that attend on a weekend. We can look at how big the offering is. And sadly, this year, Megan and I have seen people we know, ministers and other churches that we've served with, and people we've looked up to find themselves fired from the churches or having to do damage control after a scandal. All the attendance figures, all the offering dollars, doesn't make a world of difference when moral failure is eaten away at the core of a church. We have friends that have been good, honorable, faithful Christian leaders. And because they're close to a crisis, because they're close to a scandal, they're spending their days doing damage control. It's painful, it's devastating, and it can easily derail a whole church from the mission God has for them. It is essential that we remain a healthy church, that we care about being strong and healthy, strong in character, strong in integrity, being trustworthy. That means being quick to confess our shortcomings and quick to forgive. It means resisting admiration, but value being trustworthy. Not killing ourselves, sprinting in ministry, but pacing ourselves for the marathon. Not consumed with correcting the speck in someone else's eye unless we're honest enough to admit we have a log in our own. Humble enough to stretch and grow. Brave enough to adjust our character and attitude to better reflect God's kingdom and God's values. Starting strong is pointless if we end in a crash and burn. Starting strong is pointless if we end in a crash and a burn. If one person claps, we all have to. Caring about the strength and health of the church, this is the embodiment of being faithful and effective. Caring deeply about this stops it from being just another slogan. And instead, it becomes the sincere approach we have to our mission, to care about people being far from Jesus, to care about being outward focused, to care about the strength and health of our church. And something I read a while ago that I thought was helpful for today, it's from the book called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. God is the sovereign ruler of the universe. 
He has been working throughout history to accomplish his purposes. He does not ask us to dream our dreams for him. He does not invite us to set magnificent goals and then pray that he will help us achieve them. He already has his own agenda when he approaches us. His desire is to get us from where we are to where he is working. He leads us from being self-centered to God-centered. When God reveals to you where he is working, that becomes his invitation to join him in his activity. When God reveals his work to you, that is the time to respond to him. God is at work reconciling a world to himself. Because he loves you, he wants to involve you in his activity. He begins by pursuing a love relationship with you. He then invites you to become involved with him in his work. And with all this in mind, there have been a number of new activities, new ministries, different things that we've been a part of this past year. Pleased to let you know that the three large outreach events we've had have gone extremely well. The first one we had was last September called Fall Fest. Everyone remember Fall Fest? It was a riot. The reality is in typically and traditionally, it's understood that January is the start of the year, but in practicality, September is really where everyone does a reset. Summertime kind of knocks everyone off balance. There's vacations happening and obligations to take you away and different commitments that people have and everyone's schedules all up in the air over summer. But then September comes and everyone kind of comes back down to zero and kind of is a reset. So in practicality, September really is the start of a new year, if you will. So we wanted to do something big to get started at the start of the new year. There were bounce houses here. There were food trucks. The gymnasium over on the school side was turned into Nerf Wars. There was a cotton candy machine, and all the kids were told they get one thing of cotton candy. My children have no regard for such policies. The sugar crash was spectacular. But we promised that this event, it would be easy to invite friends to, and it definitely was. My favorite bit from that event, Fall Fest, back in last September, was there were some neighborhood kids that just saw something was going on, wandered on over, and had an awesome time on the bounce houses. Loved it. It was, went so well that we decided that at Christmas time we were going to do another one, Carol's and Coco. Everyone remember Carol's and Coco? It was the Wild West up in here. There was way more people than we anticipated. There was great stuff that was happening. We had carols happening out in the parking lot, and it was awesome. Every little families bundled together, shivering, singing carols out there. There were fire pits, and it was great seeing people catching up and spending time around the fire pits, getting together. There were crafts out there. The kids were making different tree ornaments. There was a presentation of the nativity play happening on the school side. The uh, presentation of the nativity play was so awesome that there was a massive line that they had to get through. They had to add performances because the line was so long. Now that night, even though I'm here, of course, as one of the pastors at the church, I'm also there as dad. So I'm waiting with my kids so they can go and see the nativity play. And as I'm stood there, I'm seeing people running up the stairs carrying jugs of cocoa. The secret is that night is that we ran out and we had a real loaves and fishes moment. We had to microwave hot cocoa because we just kept running out because there were way more people here. And I got to tell you, afterwards, the same people running up and down the stairs with jugs of freshly microwaved hot cocoa were saying afterwards, this is awesome. This is what it's about because we were able to serve the community in such a great way. And then it's just a month or so ago, we had Easter Feaster which, despite what Megan says, is a great name for an event. I had no idea how that event was going to go. It was on Easter Saturday. Who knows what that's going to be like? 
But it was a wonderful turnout. There was a great experience here. Vicky DiDomenico, I need to give Vicky credit, her and her team provided the feast in the Easter Feast. It was awesome. There was a lot of fun things going on. There were carnival games down in the gym. We had an egg drop off the third story at the school side and all sorts of great stuff. It was fantastic. It was so good that that following Sunday, the next day when we had church, it was easily the busiest. I have seen this room. We're already anticipating needing two services next Easter. And I think in part because we have got an outward focus and these outreach events are happening. All of these events, the three big outreach events we did, they've led to people deciding to make Word of Life their church. I enjoy these events. I have good fun at these events. My kids have a great time at these events. But the point is to provide something welcoming and fun for the community so we can let people know there's a church that cares about you that you can belong to. I'm I'm delighted every time I meet someone that their first interaction with our church, their first experience with our church was at one of these events. Another new initiative we started this year. January 1st, we began a Bible reading plan on the YouVersion Bible app. I'm sure many of you have got the app on your phone. It's possibly the most popular Bible app that you can get, and it's wonderful. And you can start a Bible reading plan on there and then encourage people to join in so you can do it together. So every day you go through the Bible readings. Maybe they've written a devotional or something. And then you can have almost like a group chat where you can sort of put your thoughts and reflections and ask questions and all that kind of stuff. We started it January 1st. I'm happy to let you know that right now, there is 125 people that are in that Bible reading plan as of today. Now, that's worth celebrating. I happen to know that there are people, a part of that 125, that have never read the Bible before. And they're doing it in a way where they're being taken through the whole Bible over the course of the year. And every day, if they have questions, if there's something they want to know more about, they're able to put down their thoughts, ask questions in the group chat. And it's been wonderful. I'm so glad we're doing it. So much so that we've decided to start a second plan tomorrow. So if you have not been a part of the plan so far, but you would like to journey through the whole Bible over the course of a year, it takes about 15 minutes a day. It's not a giant commitment. By 15 minutes a day, and if you skip a day, I won't tell anyone if you don't. I'm going to be doing this plan, and I don't want to do it by myself. Head to the website. You can sign up. We are starting Genesis 1 tomorrow. It will be great if you're able to jump in that plan with us. Now, something I've noticed is that Pentecostal, spiritual churches like Word of Life all across America, they've tried to bring their weekend services back into an orderly state, which is a biblical example we have from Paul to the Corinthians. And while order was achieved in services... It did mean that the expression of the gifts of the Spirit were typically not a part of weekend services. And sadly, that's meant in practice that the gifts of the Spirit weren't operational at all. This has happened in churches all across America. Essentially, we solved one problem by bringing order and structure to our weekend services. But we created another problem because the gifts of the Spirit weren't being exercised by the believers. The remedy that Megan and I have spoken about for years was to create a separate prayer and worship time that while being open to everyone was not publicly broadcasted or promoted. It's not anticipated that this is a meeting where visitors would come, which was Paul's concern to the Corinthians. But it was to create a space where the believers could get together and could freely exercise in the gifts of the Spirit. After speaking about it for years, it was a true joy to be a part of our first prayer and worship night in February. It happened in this room one February evening. Healings, physical healings happened in this room. Prophetic words were flowing in this room. 
Someone shared a prophetic vision. Someone else spoke in tongues and we had interpretations. Megan prayed with someone that was baptized in the spirit and spoke in tongues for the first time. Was it orderly? Absolutely not, but it was God honoring. There was a true sense of humility and God moved in the hearts of his people. Our weekend services, they do have a sense of order to them and I believe this is the right approach. But I think we serve the church well by having distinct times of gathering to worship, to pray, to exercise the gifts of the spirit, to edify the body. And the next prayer and worship night we have is coming up this coming Thursday. And as a Pentecostal church, we're also going to be talking about the gifts and the baptism of the Spirit next Sunday. Because how many of you know, it's Pentecost Sunday next week. Next Sunday, Pentecost. The Sunday that parallels when the Holy Spirit first came upon the first followers of Jesus in Acts 2. And next week I'll be preaching on the baptism of the Spirit and the spiritual gifts that follow the Spirit's baptism. I want to share this verse with you that we'll talk about more next week. 1 Corinthians 14.5, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. And while we look at it more in depth next week, I can't help but look at the world and think we need more people speaking in tongues, not less. We need more people enjoying a wonderful prayer language to build them up in their faith, not less. We need more people with a prophetic edge to their lives, not less. And while our weekend services, they typically have a sense of order and structure in line with Paul's instructions to the Corinthians, we believe we need to have a chance to operate in spiritual gifts. And we hope that having by prayer and worship nights, it'll stir something within us, that a spirit-filled church and a spirit-filled believers will embrace all the Holy Spirit has for us. Now, it's amazing to think, two years ago, we were completely shut down. Reopening, it was a slow process. We reopened without any kids' ministry, and as we were able, we added classrooms as best we could, as quickly as we could. We reopened church without the cafe, which is far much more than a cup of coffee and breakfast pizza. It promotes fellowship and friendship among the church members. There were other ministries that weren't able to be reopened when we first uh, were able to. We had rows in the worship center, you'll remember, that were roped off and blocked off. There were spaces in between seats so that people didn't get too close together. In a desire to be responsible, we followed the mask mandates. We had teams of people that would sanitize every area of this room after service. The past few months, we have been complete and utterly reopened without any COVID restrictions in place at all. And there has been a noticeable, there has been a noticeable boost in energy and momentum on Sunday mornings. Now all of this leads to a question. What's the future for church online? Now, we did not have church online prior to the COVID shutdown, and it was launched with the intention of us being able to keep a sense of connection, be able to keep a sense of spiritual pursuit by still having weekly services, including worship and sermons being streamed live and then uploaded to YouTube for people to catch up with afterwards. Now, reopening was a progression. Many continued to be a part of church online. While COVID numbers and hospitalizations were high, many opted to stay home for health reasons. The initial purpose of Church Online was to give everyone a chance to be a part of a church service. And now that we're fully reopened, that's changed. As far as I can see, there are three ongoing reasons to stay with Church Online. Three reasons we are still 100% behind this ministry. The first is that there are people that have true health concerns. There are many in the church that have very real health reasons for staying home and participating online. The second is... There are people that through various scheduling conflicts, they will miss church. They're away for a weekend. They've got a clashing conflict. Something's taken them out of town, something. They've missed church. Because of church online, they don't have to miss church. They can catch up with it after the fact. 
The third reason is that I have found that this has been the primary way that someone first checks out our church. Essentially, Church Online has become the front door of Word of Life Church. It's very rare that I'll meet someone that is here in person for the first time, and they don't tell me, yeah, I've been watching online for a few weeks. That's become the primary goal of Church Online, is that this is the front door of our church for people. Almost every new person I meet tells us they've been checking out a service online. And it feels like every week for the past 18 months, I've met someone who's let me know that they're back for the first time. Universally, they'll tell me that being back is much better than watching online. People who are still home because of health reasons, they're emailing me, telling me they wish they could be here in person. There's something about worshiping together that is special and important. Having a chance to spend time with other believers in the cafe or catching conversations is important. Being an encouragement to each other in person is important. In short, it's time to be honest and recognize the church online served a purpose, but to the best of our ability, it's time to come back. I promise I know getting the kids ready for church is another thing, but it's worth it. I know that we're all busy, but church should be a priority. I know that watching online is convenient, but it means missing out on something. I understand that people have genuine health reasons. I understand that scheduling conflicts means someone can't be here on a Sunday. But if you're hanging out online for convenience sake, I love you, I'm not mad at you, but it's time to come back in person. It's time to admit, it's time to admit that being online isn't the same as being in person. The people are missing out on you not being here. The worshiping together as one church is a powerful thing. The building friendships and finding your people is important. For those of you that have health reasons and are watching online, I'm so happy you're able to stay connected and I hope we get to see you in person soon. For those who are checking us out, I'd love to be able to meet you in person, shake your hand and welcome you to our church. I promise I'm actually a really nice guy despite what Pastor Mike says. <laughs> but this time last year, I shared a verse that I still believe to this day is a promise for word of life. It's from Amos 9, verse 13. The time will come, says the Lord, when the grain and grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. The grain and grapes, the harvest will come faster than you can take care of the harvesting. The growth that will come, the people who will be a part of your church. Remember, harvest is all pointing to people. The people that are going to come here, the life change that's going to happen, the transformation God's going to do in the lives of people, it's going to happen faster than we can keep up. What does that look like? I have no idea, but I want to find out that God is going to bring people here. God is going to do work in the hearts and the lives of people in such a way that we're scrambling trying to figure out how can we possibly keep up with this, and at that point, we will really know what it means to depend on the Holy Spirit. The time will come, says the Lord, when the grain and the grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. Now, one thing I know about numbers, data, metrics, different ways you can analyze information, spreadsheets, is that they're helpful servants, but they're terrible masters. Metric, data, wonderful servants, terrible masters. They're helpful because they help us see the work that's being done, the fruit that's coming, the way God's using it. 
It's encouraging to be able to see through the numbers how God is using the way that we're spending our energy and our finances and how it's producing something wonderful. But none of this negates the desperate need for God to drive this mission. I strongly believe that manipulating or inflating the numbers for the sake of ego is, of course, pointless. We need to be driven by a love for people. As followers of Jesus, we sincerely believe that a growing, strengthening relationship with him is the best way someone can live their life. So if one of the ways we can observe people deepening their relationship with God is by taking a next step, that means we are obsessed with people taking a next step. We are obsessed by people taking a next step. We use uh, different databases, programs here at the church to be able to track numbers of the next steps. And I was in a conversation about this whole thing recently, and Megan said that there are many steps that can't be measured, that aren't tracked, that aren't able to be measured. And of course, that's exactly true. But we've highlighted some that we do measure, and we do look at the numbers of these. And I want to share these with you. The next steps that we eyeball and that we look at as encouragement that God is deepening people's faith is we invite people to complete life path, to join a team, join a life group, that's our small group ministry, to go through learning to follow Jesus coaching, that's a one-on-one coaching program we have, to participate in foundations of faith, that's essentially a new believers class or somebody that wants to go through and hear about what are the foundations of our beliefs here at a church, water baptism, and then new members for people that go through the official membership process. Now, I annoy the admin staff because I relentlessly ask them to ensure the data on this stuff is correct because I look at these numbers constantly because this encourages me that God is moving in the hearts of people by pulling them closer and helping mature people. Every week, we count how many people come to church service. Sometimes I forget to check that number, but I never forget to check where our next steps numbers are. To me, this indicates the becoming that we have in our mission statement, that word, to become a faithful and effective follower. These numbers help point to and look to the becoming of our vision statement. Now I want to ask, how many people have taken a next step for the first time since Memorial Day last year? 190. 190. Now let me explain that number. This is people that have taken at least one next step because I don't want to inflate numbers. There's no point to that, that's meaningless. But I want to sort of give you a fair representation. These are people that have taken at least one, which means if someone has gone through Life Path and joined a group, we're just counting them once in this number. That 190 indicates people that have done something for the first time. If somebody's been a part of a group in the past, that doesn't get counted today. These are for the first time. That is, 190 people have done something here at the church for the first time that indicates to us that they are a part of the becoming in our mission statement. That 190 means the world to me. That is 190 people that love God and are taking steps further. That is 190 people that have got others that have been praying for them, possibly for years, that are actually taking their faith seriously. That's 190 people that aren't content with just turning up to church on Sunday, but are willing to do something to move forward in their relationship with God. That number is wonderful and is the source of so much joy because it represents God changing the lives and the hearts of people. If you're wondering about these next steps, we talk about them a lot unashamedly because we're obsessed with people taking next steps. Life in front of you, there's a card in the pew back that says next steps and there's all different things you could sign up for. Online, you can just click the button on our website that says next steps. 
the life path. Sign up. It's happening in two weeks. Find out all about the church, what it means to be a part of things here. We have our Learning to Follow Jesus coaching. This is a one-on-one, eight-week program that we have. People that go through this rave about how excellent it is and the great experience that they have. Join a team. This is your personal invitation. I meet people all the time that are waiting for someone to ask them to join a team. This is your personal invitation. Join a team. Be a part of the building. Water baptism. We have water baptisms coming up in July. Let us know today if you're ready to go through water baptism or if you have questions. Join a life group. We're doing a big push for these in July, especially going to be centered around the summer series. This summer, we're going to be spending nine weeks looking at the different times that Jesus says, I am something in John's gospel. And we're going to be encouraging the church to go through small groups based on that I am series from what Jesus says in John's gospel. Get in a group. Participate in Foundations of Faith. Let us know that you'd like to go through this class that looks at the basic foundational aspects of faith. We'd be happy to work with you and get you set up on that. And if you want to go through the process of official membership, Megan and I, we reworked this a little bit. But if you want to become a voting member of the church, let us know. We'll get you all the information and we'll schedule a meeting with one of our pastoral staff. We're continually looking for ways to reach out to the community. I don't have an answer as to how yet, but recently we heard that Syracuse has the highest rate of childhood poverty in the nation. We can't ignore that. We're still in the pursuit of a a youth pastor to come and join the staff, and we are determined to find the right person rather than getting somebody that's capable. The three big outreach events that we've had went so well that we're committing to do those again. The prayer and worship night happening on Thursday. Next weekend, Pentecost Sunday, summer series, talking about the I Am mentions in John's Gospel. With all this activity, with all the things that's happening, all the busyness that can go on, it's essential to remember the message of Jesus doesn't change. 2 Corinthians 5.15 He died for everyone so that those who receive His new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know Him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ reconciling the word to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God, for God made, uh, God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ no longer counting people's sins against them, reconciled and made right with God through Christ. This is the good news of Jesus, and that will always be of the uttermost importance. The message of Jesus has been life-changing for over 2,000 years. It's of no more or less relevant importance today than it was in years past, because we don't need a savior any more or less than we did decades or centuries ago. All of humanity is equally desperate for a savior. The message doesn't change. We don't need God to sing songs and deliver a sermon. 
but we need God to transform hearts and lives. Jesus promised that he will build his church. Belonging to a church means being a part of what Jesus is building. Word of Life exists to lead individuals to become faithful and effective followers of Jesus Christ. No matter what your starting point is, you can both start and continue your journey of faith at Word of Life. And we are obsessed with people taking a next step. The message of Jesus will never change. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. I invite you to stand with me, if you would. I invite the prayer team to come down. I got a couple of questions for you. Are you ready to be a part of what Jesus is building? Are you ready to be a part of what Jesus is building? God's doing great things all over the world and I believe he's doing great things in central New York. Are you ready to be a part of what he's building? He has promised to build his church. And the second thing, do you care about the things we all need to care about to fulfill the mission? Do we collectively and individually care about reaching people far from Jesus? Do we care about being outward focused? Do we care about the strength and health of our church? Our prayer team's down here and I don't know if something from today has stirred something in you. Do you say, you know what? I need to go down front. I need someone to pray with me about this. But this is a call to action. Are we gonna be the kind of church that God can use? Are we gonna keep sowing good seed? And when that good seed produces a good harvest, we care enough about the mission that we keep sowing and keep sowing and keep working the field and keep going and keep being faithful, keep being effective. So if there's something individually that's got a hold of you today, the prayer team's here. But we're gonna spend some time in worship. And as we're worshiping, I hope that something from this message just starts to rattle around in your mind and starts to speak to you. So would you pray? And then we're gonna spend time in worship. Lord, take something from this. Use it to grab a hold of people's hearts. Use it to fill people with vision. Lord, I pray that you draw people to yourself, that you show people how you're working and how they can be involved and what all this means for them. Lord, because we want to be a church that honors you, that loves you, that puts you first. We want to be faithful and effective in leading people to become faithful and effective followers of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord. We cannot do this without you. Lord, speak to us in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, everybody. Let's pray and worship together. Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, and Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. And 
through of service every Sunday morning and I was back there during run through and I kind of looked down and saw Luke and he had shoes on and I thought to myself I bet by the end of service he don't have shoes on and what do you know You know, the prayer team's here, and they're going to stay as we, after we close. And if there's any reason at all you want to come down and receive prayer, if you've walked in with any heaviness at all, anything that's weighing on you, causing you frustration, anything that's keeping you up at night, anything at all, they're here. They'd love to be able to spend a few moments praying with you. But before we close, we do this at the end of every service, and we will continue to do this at the end of service. We will give someone here an opportunity, an invitation to make that initial decision to follow Jesus or to recommit and make that decision to follow Jesus. I don't know your life story. I don't know your circumstances. I don't know what brought you to church today. I don't know anything, but I know you're here. This is the weekend you came. I've already said, this is an unusual message. This is an unusual Sunday, but this is the Sunday that you found yourself in church. And if this is the morning where you're ready to cross that line and say, you know what? I'm not following God. I'm not following Jesus, but I want to start today. I'd love to pray for you. My friend, if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, you are out of excuses for waiting one more day to follow him. This is the moment. This is the time. There is no good reason for waiting, for delaying. The best decision I have ever made was to follow Jesus. Is there anyone else in the room that would echo that sentiment, that the best decision you've ever made is to follow Jesus? I read this verse earlier. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For God made Christ who never sinned, 
to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. The sin that separates us from God has been dealt with by the Son of God on the cross 2,000 years ago so that we can be made right with God so that we can have a right relationship with Him. And if you want to start enjoying and embracing and living that relationship today, I'd love to pray for you. If I could ask everyone here to close your eyes and bow your heads, it's just give a moment of discretion to the people around you so that we can focus on what matters right now. But if this is you, if you're honest enough and brave enough to say, Tom, I'm not following God, but I want to start today, I'd love to pray for you. So if that's you, could you just put your hand in the air just for a moment, just so I know who we're praying for? Awesome. Anyone else here? Wonderful. Amen. Anybody else? I promise I won't embarrass you. I won't do anything that you're going to regret on the drive home, but I'd love to pray for you today. Anybody else here? Online, you push the button that says, I, may, I, I raise my hand. I'd love to pray for you. Amen. Come on, word of life. Can we please celebrate people making the best decision they could ever make? Amen. We're going to pray a prayer. The words are going to be on the screen. I want to invite everyone here to pray along together. So come on, well, let's pray this. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I want to follow you. I invite you to be Lord of my life. Help me follow you every day. I want to leave my old life of sin behind and heal my broken relationship with God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can we celebrate with people making that decision today?